Hey, it is so good to be with you. I, uh, I actually love, this might come as no surprise, but I get really excited at the prospect of encouraging and challenging and even at times confronting us as the people of God to be everything that Christ has called us to. You know, in our world, there is a constant deception and there is a constant distraction to plug into those things, other things in our lives with the view that it would add to my identity or it would energize me in a way that God can't. But they're all like rip-off products. You know, I, I've got my phone and uh, it is this Xiaomi phone and when I plug it into the real cord, it's amazing. It actually, it's a, I don't know, some sort of supercharger and it charges it like at five times the rate of any other plug I've ever tried. And I always plug it in again and it might sound weird to you, but I was watching the uh, the battery charge just click over. It was climbing so fast that within probably 20 minutes it was 100% charged and I'm like, oh, the legit is so much better than the ripoff, even if it looks similar. And I was reminded in the moment that at the end of the day, we can we can choose to use the, the ripoff elements that cost us less, but never fulfill the design requirements that we have. God has called us to be plugged into Him, to be focused on Him, to dwell in Him. And at the beginning of a year, there is such a temptation to use or to focus on the things which are less than what we're called to. You know, there's nothing wrong with having health goals, but can I tell you, if your spiritual health, if your spiritual commitment, if the cause that Christ has called you to is not first and first, at the front of everything you are doing, then you are committing to a rip-off product. It is nothing. Can I tell you, in a new year, nothing really changes except the date. That's it. Nothing actually changes except the date. As much as everything changes, everything that truly matters remains the same. The date may have changed, but the one who owns it has not. The evident brokenness may change in our world, but the underlying brokenness of sin has not changed. The strategy to bypass consequence may change, but the final judgment remains. And we're reminded in Hebrews of this. And I, I want to come around the weights and the things that hold us back and commitments that can drive us forward into everything God has for us this year. And it says this classic text, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us therefore throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the Christ, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
in your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I want to pause there for a second. We have this tendency to dramatize everything in our life because we think like children, dare I say it, that if I over dramatize what is happening in my life, I will gain more attention. But I think we fail to note that the attention we will ultimately receive from the father is not one of affirmation, but of discipline. It goes on here and says, You have not resisted the point of shedding your blood and you've completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Now, I want to pause there because... All too often, we allow the weights and the things that hinder us to hold us back. And what's even worse is sometimes we make the things that weigh us weigh us down or hinder us or hold us back, we actually make them our New Year's goals. We make finance our New Year's goal in itself. Like, if this thing is achieved, then I will be more. And I just wanted to throw a couple of things at you that I believe hold us back. Uh, they're, they're largely from what I've been pondering and praying over, but we see this in Scripture repetitively. The first is this. It's experience. The, the fact is, your history is not his story. I want you to hear this. It's important. Your history, what you've done, what you, where you've been, what failures you may have had, what successes you may have had, they are part of your history, but they are not his story. He, Christ, defines history. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one who spoke and the world came into existence. He is the one who breathed into the dust and Adam came alive, a living being. He is the one who came into time and space as a child as a conceived in the the womb of Mary, and he grew to become the one of favor. He grew to become the one who would ultimately die and rise, defeating death itself. Our experience is not his story. And he has written his story in terms of what we understand in terms of the past. But most importantly, the story has already been written as to the culmination of all things. And can I tell you, it does not matter what happens in this year. He wins. It does not matter whether you catch Corona or not. He wins. These things may be bumps along the way, but he wins. He is king and he is in charge. He wins. So can I encourage you, don't allow your experience, your history to try and determine his story because it can't. So let's put it aside. Let's lay aside your experience and go, just a second. Here's an opportunity to stand at the crossroads and ask. Ask where the good way is. Ask where the ancient paths are, as Jeremiah 6.16 says. Because your history is not his story unless you choose it to be part of his story. And the only way it's going to be part of his story is through faith. Your past does not determine your future when you dwell with the great I am. Secondarily, we allow uncertainty to breed insecurity. 
We, we live in a time and a period in some ways, at least we perceive it to be such, that is so uncertain. The second we think we're on top of something, it seems like there is a new wave, a new name of the, the enemy. And so it birds insecurity in us. The greatest message of this period of history that you and I need to learn is that nothing can be certain except Jesus. Jesus is our certainty. Jesus is our message. Jesus is our identity. Ephesians 1 4 says we have been chosen in Christ. And it's important to realize this. The chosenness is not God choosing you as an individual in Ephesians 1. That's the wrong reading of Ephesians. Nine times in 14 verses, it says that we've been chosen in him or in his love or in Christ. The context of chosenness in the new covenant, in the new agreement between God and his people is in Christ in the same way that Israel was chosen in the forefathers. But we need participate in Christ to be part of the chosenness. So can I tell you, this year, lay aside your uncertainty and put your focus on the certainty that's found in Christ. 2022 should be about Jesus. And if it's not about Jesus, then it's not about anything that matters. Thirdly, can I tell you, safety. Let's lay aside safety. Safety, the, if you want to pursue safety, the safest place is a is a isolation cell where no one can touch you, where no one can poison you, where you can hide away from all the big baddie things out in the world, but you've not been called to safety. And we do not serve a God who calls us to, to harbor in safe waters, but rather to go out onto the rough seas. We are in a war, a real spiritual war over the eternal destinies of people. We, we unfortunately have created a love affair with safety that is counter to the very nature of the incarnate Son of God who stepped out of his place of privilege and position. And he became nothing, Philippians 2 tells us. He became nothing. He came as a baby, vulnerable, that he would grow, that he would lay his life down at the very hands of his own creation. Safety really should not be in our vocabulary unless we're talking about protecting the very vulnerable. And can I tell you, the vast majority of us are not the truly vulnerable. Because even if I die, what do I lose? I lose this life and I gain eternity. We can't lose. You know, we, we live in actually one of the safest times in history. Our Chances of death from famine or, or starvation are ridiculously low. Whether from uh, war or violence, they're actually statistically incredibly low. Even with the real disasters that are happening around our world from conflict, we're actually nearly safer than ever in the vast majority of contexts. Yet we have convinced ourselves that we are in greater danger than ever. And it's simply not true. It's simply not true. First Corinthians 9, 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you might obtain it. Don't hold back. 
Run to win this race. It will hurt you. It will strain you, but it's worth it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not reign aimlessly. The Apostle Paul says, he goes on and says, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Can I tell you, safety is not the road to eternity. Laying everything down and trusting Jesus in the most unsafe of circumstances, laying our lives down as a servant as Jesus did for us, is the journey towards even greater self-satisfaction. Because true satisfaction is not found in self. It's found in Jesus. And, and fourthly, I want you to catch this. Offense is one of the greatest things that will hinder you and hold you back. Because offense creates, dare I say it, a fence around your life, around what God has for you. And more importantly, it creates a fence around your heart where we become scared of being vulnerable. We become scared of allowing people to come close. We become then aggressive toward other people because we think that offense is something we get to hold. But intentionally Holding unforgiveness is not a Christian attribute. A matter of fact, it's entirely opposite Christ. Offense will destroy you. It will create a root of bitterness in your life that will not change the life of another person significantly, but it will kill yours. It will destroy your energy. It will destroy your potential. It will destroy your communion with Christ himself. As you hold unforgiveness in your heart, you are holding a sin of unforgiveness in your life. Come on, lay aside this stuff. Lay aside. Overlook sin even in the little things which scripture says is an honor of a godly man or a godly woman. And let go of those things and move into what God has for you. You know, we need to get it all into perspective. Or, could I say, we need to become growing up in faith. Because all too often, we become deceived, like the Hebrews were deceived, into thinking that our past or alternative uh, options for slavery are better than the risk of freedom that God has given us. We see this with Israel when they, when they complain, at least we could have leeks and, and soup in slavery. And God has delivered his people through the most miraculous occurrences. And yet in a moment of temptation, in a moment of, of turmoil, they turn their eyes back to slavery rather than press on towards the promise that is found in everything God was doing in them. And you know, we can be exactly the same. Hebrews 11 shows the hall of fame of faith of believers who did daring things, gaining incredible uh, promises of God in their lives, yet still not fully realizing the promises God had set. Others lost their lives, beheading, lose their families, lose their possessions, lose everything in terms of prestige and power in this world so that they may gain something else. 
In Hebrews 11 verse 36, it says, Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning and they were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those people that this world is not worthy of. I want to be a person that is defined as a son of God, firstly in everything I am. Jesus is my identity, and thus I do not firstly belong to this world, but I belong to a different kingdom. And Jesus makes it clear that his kingdom is not of this world in John 18, 36. It says they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. They, these were commended for their faith, yet none, none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us might they be made perfect. Can I tell you, together we are being made perfect in Christ. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 12 of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and considering him, consider him rather, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. So I want to throw you three commitments this year. I want to throw you three simple commitments that I'm committing my life to afresh this year. And I pray you would commit to these together with me as we press on to what God has taken hold of us for. And the, the first thing, and I want, you, I want to actually go backward in the text a little bit in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And the first thing is this. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. You know, I want to encourage you to have a commitment to be obsessed with Christ. Obsessed with Christ. Now, hear my heart in this. All too often, we are like that four-year-old kid in a supermarket that wants the lollipop and is screaming blue murder because if they don't get the lollipop, they're going to die. And yet the mother that loves their child so much has a plan for this child, knows that proper nutrition and proper understanding and proper restraint will create a lifetime, will create something far greater than the satisfaction of an individual lollipop. And can I tell you, all too often we are like the child obsessed with a lollipop and it's nothing compared to what God has for us. It's nothing at all compared to Christ himself. We compare our sexuality to the supernatural intimacy that we will one day have in Christ. And sure, we have it now. But can I tell you, there will be an intimacy with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit that goes beyond anything you can imagine. And yet you're already on that road. Stay the course. 
We sometimes look at what we have in the material world, money and relationships, and we think, God, why don't you give me this? And God is like, no, 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 you don't need it. And we sometimes throw little tannies like we're a four-year-old, in effect, not really understanding that what God has for us is so much greater and it's embodied in who Christ is. Nothing compares to the joy that is to come in Christ. Jesus is better than everything. Jesus is better than anyone. A lifetime of intimate marriage is not as good even as Jesus. Don't trade away what God has for you for something that's second rate. Now, obviously, I'm not negating marriage. I'm not negating engaging all these things. But if they take the place of Jesus, then we have created an idol. Become obsessed with Jesus because he's better. Make this a year of honoring Jesus. His position as Lord calls us to submission, even when it means death to self. His position as Savior calls us to a life marked by gratitude. And we're told in Colossians 1 to live lives worthy of the gospel, marked by gratitude that we have been saved by the very one who spoke the world into existence and has no obligation as judge to do this, but because of his great love. He has called him ourselves to himself. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3, it says, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You know, there is a simplicity of faith that's often ridiculed by this world. And can I tell you, unfortunately, sometimes we ridicule the simplicity of pure devotion to Christ, even within the church. Be obsessed with Jesus because there's no one and there is nothing better than Jesus. In 2022, there is no one and there is nothing and there is no experience and there is no even revelation outside of Jesus that even vaguely, even vaguely compares to him. You know, can I encourage you? Second commitment is make a commitment to be devoted to the cause. Be devoted to the cause. Nothing in the Christian life makes any sense outside of a Christ-centered, cause-driven life. Nothing, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. Nothing in the Christian life makes sense outside of a Christ-centered, cause-driven life. Let us throw off everything that hinders and that so easily entangles us and let us run. The run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We have been given our marching orders. The last command of Jesus to go and make disciples should be our first priority. When you ask God, what is your will for my life? You're already ignoring it. 
There might be details in your journey, but can I encourage you, get on the path and get on the priority that he has already established. Make disciples and you will come beside what the Spirit of God is already doing in people. You will come beside what the Spirit of God is doing in our world and in our community. And you will find the spiritual gifts that God has put in you that that you seek will open doors and will create platforms that will open up the way for everything that God has for you. But can I tell you, make his last command your first priority to make disciples to the very ends of the earth be devoted be obsessed with the cause of Christ can I tell you his rest can be found no other nowhere else than where he is and where is he he's on mission All too often, Jesus called people to himself as he was journeying towards Jerusalem in Luke and he left. Some will have stayed behind because they had other priorities. Some picked up their, their, they picked up their very few possessions. They left behind the nets like the disciples and they followed Jesus. And so in following Jesus on his mission, on his call, they came beside him and were able to lay their heads on his chest to be close to him, to find rest in him. Can I tell you, if you want to break selfish instinct, serve. If you want to get a vision, then adopt the vision already stated in scripture. And as you do so, as you become absorbed in it, God's going to open things for your life. Take your eyes off yourself, place them on Jesus and place them on the lost sheep and Christ will change everything. You know, a commitment to contentment, a commitment to contentment is the third thing I want to encourage you to do. And it's something I want you to um, have. It says this in Hebrews 11 verse 40. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, catch that there. Since God had something better fast. What God has planned for you and I, both through this life and in the next, in the new kingdom fully fulfilled, is better than you can ever imagine. And that means we need to to learn contentment. And the Apostle Paul talks about that. You know, discontentment is the language of the devil. And it starts not with assertions, but it starts with questions about the goodness of God and about his good intent for you. Unfairness becomes the seed that gets planted in our soul. This is not fair. Does God really, did God really say? From the very first temptation, the kingdom of darkness seems to ferment a a sense of discontent, a sense of it all being unfair. The sense of victimhood creates dead meat out of living beings. A dead meat that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, it says in 1 Peter 5.8. Discontent takes the life out of our very being. Don't allow the devil to sow discontent in your soul. Don't allow marketing and don't allow the prevailing culture to sow discontent in your life. This question that is repeated ad nauseum by those who even declare themselves at times to be believers, seeking to undermine the historic creeds and understanding of the Christian faith, is this. Did God really say? 
Did God, did, does the scriptures really say that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, that he's the only way? And the answer is yes. Did God say that we should keep the marriage bed pure? And the answer is yes. He's given his word. We understand it. These words don't come out of heaven. They come out of hell. Did God really say, see, these words are not the language of the spirit, the the language of the devil. Did God really say, the devil says in Genesis 3, 1, bringing into question God's word. Again, asserting a false questioning, a falsehood questioning God's good Good intent, the devil goes on to say, For God knows, and this is out of Genesis 3, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Catch this and as it continues in verse 6 of Genesis 3. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate. You know, we can all reason our way into rebellion. Catch that again. We can all reason our way into rebellion. Did God say? And the answer is, yes, he did say. Yet we must walk a journey of learning to be content, whether in much or in little, whether persecuted or prosperous in the material. Whatever our position, whatever our play, at the end of the day, God has called us to be obsessed with Christ because he, Christ, has laid it all down for us. He became nothing. In that sense, he's obsessed with us, like a father is obsessed with his children. That we should be obsessed with the cause of Christ because the cause of Christ reveals the character of Christ and it reveals his heart for the uh, the least and the lost. It says this in James 1.14, but each one is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to, um, to sin and sin when it's full grown gives birth to death. Can I, can I plead with you? Can I encourage you? Can I even... If need be, confront you. Don't settle for the words of the devil. Don't reason your way into rebellion. But put your eyes solely on the author and the finisher. The pioneer who's gone before us. And the perfecter who will complete every element of our faith. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, and you'll probably know the passage, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained. Don't worry, there's, there's further to go. Maybe you're struggling with some of this. That's okay. Keep on going. There's people around you that want to encourage you to keep on going. That will spur you to keep on going. Not that you've already attained it, because I've not already attained it. And the Apostle Paul had not attained it. He says, not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Don't settle for anything less than what Jesus has for you. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting experience, what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Take your eyes. Let us take our eyes off our own lives and put them on the prize. And can I tell you, God is going to use you. You are going to walk beside what the Spirit of God is doing. And 2022 is going to be a year where God will use you in ways that you don't understand. I'm not promising an easy year. I'm not promising your best year ever. There might be there might be moments when you have to learn to be content in little or in the struggle. But no, as you fix your eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith, he's going to walk with you and you're going to walk with him. Can I, can I encourage you as well? I don't even say some of this and get passionate about this because I want to come over as condemning. I, I, I say this because with the heart of a father, there's nothing worse than seeing sons and daughters walk in less than what they're called to live. Don't walk in less than who you are. Do not walk as a slave to sin. Do not walk as a slave to your experiences. Do not walk as a slave to your past. Do not walk as a slave to the, the mandates and the culture of this world, but submit yourself to the Lord and walk in His ways and be led by the Spirit. and. And you will discover a deep satisfaction that goes far beyond everything this world promises. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you're good. Lord, there might be a new date, but the one who rules the day is the same. There might be new governance. There might be new policies. There might be new cultural quirks. But the one who sits on the throne is the same. And so we fix our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. We commit ourselves to the cause of Christ, that others would know the author and the finisher of faith, the one who breathes life into the dust. That we would walk with a contentment, no matter our circumstances, laying aside every weight and every sin that hinders us. Lord, we do this in full trust, knowing you loved us first. In your precious name. Amen. We love you guys. And uh, can I encourage you? Keep on pressing ahead. And take hold of everything that Christ has taken hold of you for. Keep your eyes on the price. God loves you. And uh, we love you.